0: So today's episode is about the coronavirus, and we recorded a little bit ago. It's amazing to see how much things have changed since that time.
1: Yeah, their feeling tone, even since the recording, has escalated quite a bit. And I won't say there's a desperation, but there certainly is an intensity. And we wanted to capture that before you listen so that you can know. And it again, this is just sort of documenting how it changes. And
0: how we change with it.
1: That's right. right. So... So tune in this is not a time to uh, be on the blue side and dissociate and deny and disavow this you know this threat it really is a time to tune in and to for those of you who are admiring the first responders the grocery clerks the parents that are dealing with kids you know folks with health issues the real way that you can honor these incredible frontline people is to follow the advice and the main thing is right now Just assume that you're infected and you're protecting other people.
0: So what you can do is stay home and remember that it isn't just about your health in your household, it's about the health all the way across the world, because how we handle it is how much it spreads and how far it goes. No matter where you are in the world, we're one big community. And it's a really I think we're going to be feeling the impacts of this for so long. But staying home is giving to other people. It's essential.
1: So it'll be interesting to kind of hear maybe how our tone has changed from now to then. But in the meantime, we're going to stay tuned in and we want to kind of grasp hands. We're going to have to all co-regulate ourselves through this.
0: Definitely. Therapist Uncensored brings you decades of experience with interpersonal psychotherapy, relational neuroscience, modern attachment, and anything else they think will be helpful in healing humans. Now, here your co-hosts, Dr. Ann Kelly and Sue Marriott. This podcast is all about building security, but we are in the most uncertain time of our lifetime.
1: I know, isn't it crazy? And this particular episode has been difficult for us because we're also in the mix of it. And we also have been a bit shy about saying anything about the virus because that that isn't our expertise. However, once we snapped into, uh, wait a minute, we know a lot about the nervous system and emotional relating and how human beings work and how they defend themselves. And since basically we're being asked to do these altruistic actions for other people, then it's really and a lot of us aren't necessarily doing them or we're slow to adopt them, then boom, that's how we figure it out. That's that's gonna be our lane that we're gonna be talking about today.
0: Right. The lane of really trying to understand and normalize our reactions to this, but also deepen it. Deepen what we can be doing for our own mental health, but also for this pandemic. What is our individual actions? Because people actually are notoriously selfish. We're humans, we're animals, we are self-protective. So that's where it comes from. And we have all sorts of defenses in place to be able to self-protect both ourselves in a place of panic, as well as delude ourselves to ignoring important information that we really need to take in.
1: And there's some research that says that it's true that we are selfish human animals and we don't have judgment about that. That's how our nervous system is built. So when we're asked to give up things that we want to do, what research says is that if we aren't clear about the impact, then if we want to do it, we will just do it. And we
0: kind of have this bias thinking everything's going to be okay. That's not really true. Right. We have this normalizing bias that the way things are for us now will continue or will quickly continue. So anything that seems... To interrupt, we're going to adjust, everything's going to be fine, especially if we're asked to make sacrifices for other people. If we're asked to make sacrifices for other people and the benefit to them is unclear, including future generations. Or climate change, things like that. We're, We're not willing to make the sacrifices. Except for, and this is what I think
1: has been happening lately, I think that things were worse when we kept hearing that it was coming We could see other countries, we could see this thing rolling out, but because of all these things, it wasn't clear what we should be doing or not doing. Now I think it's gotten a little bit tighter and a little bit more clear about what the risk actually is. We're still in really uncertain times, but the good news of that is basically when the message is tied to, like, if you go out, you could be a carrier, especially somebody that is younger that doesn't know that they're carrying it, has it very lightly, but that that could kill your grandmother – or that that could kill the grocery clerk that you love, or that at least it could spread it to people who could be vulnerable, then we as human beings are absolutely wonderful at doing the right thing.
0: Yeah, we're very willing to make sacrifices when we can really see the outcome of it for ourselves or other people. And helping people feel that and get that is really difficult, especially in the era of fake news and mistrust of global interactions with other individuals and other... Right, and And when
1: we don't trust the source of the information that is telling us what to do,
0: when we're untrustworthy of our government, that's not going to go as well. And when we're used to hearing news that we have to push out, because we hear catastrophic news across the globe and in our own world all the time. We have to have a certain amount of capacity to block that. So finding the balance of letting in information and really listening and adhering as well as not being overwhelmed. Because the other thing this can do, it's create a lot of panic. And panic is also not very helpful.
1: So how does this apply? Like, can you use yourself as an example of how this process is rolled out for you?
0: Oh, I so much can, because I have felt like many people I know that the information coming from China and then moving to Italy, and as it's coming to us, I'm taking it in, I'm getting more concerned. But even as they start to give us warnings, I continued with my activities. And it was this slow dawning. I could actually physically feel the dawning as it went. And honestly, where I really did shut down when I thought, wait, is when just what we're talking about is consistent with the research. I started, wait, my desire to continue to go and grab something at a shopping place doesn't just impact me. I literally could be spreading this disease.
1: It's often something, like I've heard some people talk about it's when the NBA shut down or when major sports events got canceled. Or for us, South by Southwest got canceled. And at the time, which is a huge music conference, music, film, interactive, lots of things, for two weeks, and at the time it was canceled, we were, I mean, I was literally just saying, eye-rolling and saying, you know, yes, it's officially canceled, but really we have all these artists in town. You know, I started sniffing around trying to figure out where the gathering
0: was. So I was in the same place. And we wanted to help. We started, oh, my gosh, when they shut it down, it's going to cost the city millions of dollars. So we started to try to think even hundreds of millions of dollars. hundreds of millions. Yes. And so we started with our own selfish response. We're going to miss it. We were frustrated. We were losing. Then we started thinking, wait, wait. It was a little bit more altruistic. We need to help our city. We need to go find those artists. (laughs) So we weren't thinking globally. We went from ourselves to our community and think, wait, we need to get out there. We need to go and give money to these artists. It was really hard to take in what we're hearing across the globe In how much our choices are not just going to affect our family and ourselves, but the entire world.
1: And we're only confessing this because we imagine that there's many of you listening that can really relate to it. Depending on where you're listening from in the world, it's either really obvious and this sounds ridiculous, or you could be listening from somewhere where that it hasn't hit yet and you can be right there with us. Things have progressed enough now. And again, this is a n- really normal human reaction. It's also a normal society reaction. We basically start with denial when there's a threat. I'm thinking specifically about epidemics and things like that. We think people are overreacting initially. And we hear it, but we don't necessarily do everything that we're asked. Then something will happen, whatever that feeling is, and
0: boom, we tend to bounce to the other side. Like we go from denial, but then we also we start to get the information in and then we go to defense and distancing. That's not us. That's over there. And so then we can keep on our own way until it really we start recognizing this is real. And then? And then you run to the store and you hoard
1: the toilet paper, which by the way, what's the deal with the toilet paper? No, it's so crazy. (laughs) But you begin to hoard equipment and supplies. And that again, is not a healthy reaction. It's an overreaction. But again, it's a normal
0: societal flow that we do before we find that balance. Well, and how do you even figure out what's a normal reaction? That's what's been so painful. Is it? An overreaction, the fear of everything getting shut down. So part of our body's response is to then go to a fight-flight response, and we have to move into action. So I think the toilet paper buying is we are in a place of uncertainty and unknown, and so we have to have some control. And the only thing we control is to go and by, by every hand sanitizer we can, by every piece of toilet paper we can, but we become self-preserving. So that's what happens to us just sort of, let's talk about the individual, like everyone out there is having responses in their body right now, whether it's sleeplessness, kind of constant anxiety, getting depressed, and, and those that have mental health issues are likely to experience a lot of intensity in those symptoms.
1: If you're anxious, what anxiety is all about is trying to protect yourself from the uncertainty and basically predicting that your body kind of feels like something bad's going to happen when we're in an anxious state. We get a bit more hypervigilant. And again, that's the Jaws music. We can think about it on the spectrum. Those of you who follow the podcast, when you're in a red state, that you're focused outward, you're less focused inward, and it tends to be an anxious place. So, for example, with OCD, the recommendations to hand wash, and then all the videos that you're seeing showing the grime on your hands even after you've washed, somebody who leans in that direction can easily turn that into an over-respond, basically. And this whole social distancing for people who are isolated... That can be really, really rough as well. But so we've touched on anxiety, we've touched on OCD. What about depression?
0: Yeah, with depression right now, the reduction in movement and the reduction in social engagement, et cetera, could really intensify those experiences of helplessness and loneliness, isolation. You know, just understanding that these experiences might intensify. And we are gonna talk about some ideas about maybe how to try to help in these directions as we move on, but just really trying to help people understand and normalize what could be happening in your body.
1: So we've talked about a couple of the specifics, but we have a large audience that is struggling with you know attachment issues and early trauma. And so anybody who has a trauma history, this can easily exacerbate symptoms that you may be struggling with because of there's so much that is out of our control and danger and threat and this feeling of threat all the way across so those of you with early trauma PTSD symptoms things like that we're thinking of you again as we go through this episode we're going to continue to kind of make suggestions you know and we talked about the red side what about the blue side
0: you know the interesting thing about the blue side and for those that have followed or those that may be new we talk about the blue side in our internal working model is how our nervous system may tend to prefer strategies of shutting down, distancing, and maybe compartmentalizing from information.
1: Right. So it's the opposite of overly reacting to your environment. It's underreacting to your environment, and you're more inside yourself and less interpersonally connected.
0: Right. So they may have been the ones, you might recognize yourself if you're the ones that was Maybe eye rolling other people making sure they were getting the hand sanitizers, et cetera, in the beginning, uh, yeah, that was I had confessed that was uh
1: I think I did a couple of eye rolls
0: <laughs> well I'll, I'll confess that I bought a few toilet rolls, <laughs> so oh my gosh <laughs> so 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 we're right there with you guys, but I think one of the things to remember is that we have developed these strategies that come out when we're in threat, which we are are in threat, but because of this type of threat, which is not a temporary one, it's chronic, it's ongoing, and it's ever present, the strategies developed develop may actually be either exacerbated or they may not actually be available to you. For with the blue, who generally can compartmentalize an eye roll, that you can't get away from the information, you can't get away from the threat. So people have been really reporting, experiencing a lot more stress and anxiety than they're used to letting their body feel. And that can be really overwhelming, and we want to help you really recognize what's happening.
1: Yeah, and one of the things that happens on that side when feelings actually come in is, one, we're not practiced at managing, even knowing what they are managing them. But there's also often a lot of shame that comes with
0: things like fear. Again, it's just it's not a muscle that has been very developed. And it's not a muscle that's been developed often in relationships. And so you could feel a lot of pressure. You are often maybe the one relied on to kind of always have it together. What do you do when you start feeling anxiety and everybody around you and you're the one people rely on? So if you get reactive, you can be thinking, oh, my God, everyone else is going to get, you know, really overwhelmed. But you need time to have your own response as a matter
1: matter of fact it's actually really important that you do because the threat here is again it's either underreacting and then continuing to cause risk to other people or it's the overreaction so like those of you who are more compartmentalized and really, really not there with us yet about the seriousness of this, that is actually quite dangerous. So it's weird, but we actually want you to feel some distress because it's that distress that lets your body know that something's wrong and that action needs to be taken to protect yourself and other people.
0: Right. So being able to take it in and respond is important, but over responding to where your whole system shuts down. Right. So if you are in a place of hypervigilance where you're staying in an incredibly activated panic state and maybe then you're frequently imagining future catastrophic responses, not only is it mental health, but it's affecting all of us in terms of financial health the feelings of safety and so if you keep your body in a constant over-responsive state you're actually not going to keep yourself safer and in fact it's the opposite the immune response cannot be helped by you staying in an active state of cortisol production
1: okay and we don't want to forget our tie-dye folks out there tie-dye referring to what has historically been called disorganized attachment or unresolved attachment again we touched on it earlier when we talked about trauma In other words, if your internal state when you get in threat is to get confused or to zone out or to dissociate, then again, you're at particular risk right now for stress and strain and basically some of the symptoms coming back
0: especially because one of the things that really can keep you stable is this feeling of regular routine yes and what we've had is and, a and real control and predictability right right so the loss of that routine is really really painful
1: so what we want to do now is begin to move into with all of these individual descriptions in mind and also with globally and socially and then With diagnosis, basically we're kind of narrowing and narrowing down, and right now every single person that's listening, we're aware that you're each having your own response, and the whole rest of this is we want to cover a few things to begin to touch on some things to help with this and to get you back in the green state, which is this regulated felt security That doesn't include denial and compartmentalization, but it's also not an overreaction.
0: Right, because people often hear the word security and don't assume that if somebody lives more in a green or secure working model that you're not anxious and fearful and needing to go through all these processes because right now to have a certain level of anxiety is very, very healthy and in a secure way of relating. It's just finding the balance.
1: Here's an example. Fear is not the problem. Fear is actually, again, it's, it's healthy. But the difficulty can be when we're stuck in fear. So one of the goals will be to learn how to be with your fear or whatever feeling that you're having, not to eradicate it, not to push it down or ignore it. Or dismiss it. Or or dismiss it, right? Or be afraid of it. So the notion of how will you be with your feelings? How will you be? How will you sit with them? What's your relationship with your own affective experience?
0: So for the listeners out there, maybe just tune in right now as we're speaking to your body, feel your own response to what is going on or what has been going on for you.
1: That's right, because our calm is contagious. Just like fear is contagious, calm is contagious. And what we want to help you move back towards is, like, if you can even imagine your heart right now, I want you to make space for, you know, first of all, do a couple of deep breaths. What's recommended is, say, three breaths with the five-five. So you inhale for five seconds and exhale for five. And then get in touch with your heart, and from your heart is emanating poise and calm, and it's shooting this energy up into your brain and your mind, in your head, and your thinking, and it's also moving it into every cell in your body with this poise and this calm so that we can then appropriately respond to the threats at hand.
0: Right. Calming the body gives you a place of openness to be able to take in information and respond more accurately. And that's what's really important. And I love what you're doing, Sue, with the breathing. And even when you're breathing in... Almost imagine that you're breathing into your heart. Exactly. You can visualize him breathing into your heart. And we've talked quite a bit on this podcast about the importance of imagery. And what do we do with our imagery? Because for those that may live a little bit more in the red or are living in the red right now of you might be doing imagery of worst case scenarios. That's cap- right. Our self-talk drama. <laughs> exactly. Our <laughs> catastrophic thinking, thinking down to the future, et cetera. And those images can create a sense of panic. And you're right. Panic is so contagious. We've been talking about viral contagion, but panic is very contagious. So we want to send out the message of calming the secure sense of self because then we will also emanate in that way. So using imagery As you're doing this breathing, we want you also to try to imagine a sense of calm and safety in your environment and community. And that may not be easy, especially if individuals are ill around you, but you want to emanate to them love, this experience of love and care, rather than fear, this experience of imagining a community integrating I know one images that I've been using, and you, if you've been listening to the news, you've been hearing about the wonderful experience. It's hard to pair wonderful in Italy together because they've been in such trauma, but the, the wonderful image of everyone going on their balcony at a certain point in the evening and singing together. And I've been using that one. So as I breathe in, I imagine that in a sense of a community and what an experience of well-being that can send. So use your images, not to just do worst case scenario. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose, but to go, we are all in this together. Because one of the most important aspects of this is to know that we're interconnected and you aren't alone. We are in this together. So as you're imagining, imagining the connectedness, the experiences of us being more one.
1: One of the things that works for me is thinking about some of the environment healing, some of our earth healing with global emissions down because industries are shut down, with canals in Venice clearing up and wildlife coming back. Those things give me hope and it help with the calm and help. Like you said earlier, this isn't a fast thing. This is going to be a marathon. This is long term. So we really want to Learn the practice of managing affect and emotion. And so somebody might be out there right now saying, I'm not calm. This shit is scary, right? Many of you, uh, if you've heard the podcast, you've heard us talk about Tara Brock and her acronym RAIN. So RAIN stands for recognize. So you recognize what you're feeling. You just name it, right? Oh, this is whatever the fear is. Um,
0: right. Recognize maybe your heart's racing.
1: That's right. Or even, oh, I'm feeling indifferent, something like that, where you can begin to catch what's actually happening, you know, emotionally. So rain, let's recognize, allow. So we're not going to feel ashamed of what the feeling is or withdraw from the feeling per se, but we, with love and care, allow it. And then I, as investigate, we go deeper into it. Like, what is it actually? So, you know, if you dig down, it's probably not just like, say, for example, fear, You know, if you dig down, it's probably fear of death or someone close to you dying. You know, we've lost in the stock market $22 trillion by financial estimates. So the threat isn't just this physical viral threat. This is economic, social. So in other words, like if you investigate it and you go deeper with it, you can kind of continue to identify it, remember, name it to tame it, and then you nurture. So I like this image of, you know, physically, you can put your hand on your heart and say something like, it's okay, sweetheart. And you're talking, of course, to yourself. And there's another one in a minute that I want to get back to. That's a new one that we haven't covered yet. But I want to just hear where you are now.
0: Right. Well, you get my body very calm. Especially <laughs> with where, you, where, where are you? And just very nurturing statements to yourself and to those around you especially those that might be in a more vigilant state. One of the things that's so important is self-compassion and compassion for others and knowing that you're not alone. So in this, it's okay. I'm not alone in this is a really important thing to add. It's okay. Others are with me in this and going through this. And in a way, we can think about that only in terms of the disease promotion, but we want to think about it as well as people are going to get through this as a community. We're so interdependent, and to remember that can be actually a very heart-filling image.
1: I totally agree. As a matter of fact, more heart-filling stuff is... The unprecedented coming forward, you know, we were giving human animals a hard time at the beginning of the show.
0: Yes, let's get more positive but about the, our, our, our response, because there's so much good in human responding.
1: So the truth is that we are pouring out volunteers are coming out, we're financially supporting when we're able. The governments are coming, you know, basically international work is cooperating with one another. Scientists across the globe are cooperating. So... There are some really positives in this relationally, especially about this whole notion of it being interconnected and the transcendence of it.
0: Well, and knowing that we need each other, I think especially in the climate that we've been in where we've been almost... uh, Xenophobic. Exactly, that this is idea that we need to come together, that we are only going to solve this as a unit, right? We have to remember, we were talking earlier about the idea that unless we really feel it and know it, how it impacts other people, we tend to be selfish, but the opposite is also true. And that is when we can really know that our behavior deeply impacts others and we can feel it and see it and know it. And the more information we have, so us really restricting our own movements is not only for us. And I know there's been a lot of talk to the millennials out there who have been given the idea that it won't hit them very much, But that it could very much, A, really will hit them in a deep way, but also that their impact impacts the next person, the next person, that by staying home, you're taking care of everybody. In fact, thinking about minimizing it in your own neighborhood, but there is over a billion people out there that can literally not wash their hands. Like, the whole solutions that we have in our own community are not universal. Absolutely. This is actually, like any natural disaster, affects the poor
1: and disenfranchised absolutely more on a number of levels, partly because we haven't taken care of the infrastructure of our healthcare system. And it will always hit people that are more vulnerable much, much more difficult. Even, for example, earlier, we were talking about assessing risk. And part of, if you think about what the risks are, they also hit the poor and disenfranchised much harder. So for example, it's not just age, but by the way, you know, at 60, your risk goes up, at 70, it goes up, at 80, it goes up. So this is a very real thing. But also anybody that has diabetes, compromised cardiovascular disease, anything like that, and obesity. There's 42% of Americans are obese. And again, this is an infrastructure thing related to urban development. I, you know, I don't want to get too macro here, but we have set people up to be vulnerable in these situations. So, obesity, it was a new one that I hadn't heard, and I looked it up to make sure that this was accurate. And it really is that there's something about our bodies that when we're compromised in that way, we don't handle the virus as well. So it actually, when you think you're not at risk, but you really are.
0: So when you think that, you know, I'll be fine if I go out, you have to really remember that you touching something and touching somebody of any of those risk factors could deeply create a huge sacrifice on their part. And I know many people as parents are struggling because you have kids at home that are having a very difficult time staying in and feeling almost impervious to this and trying to know, is it too much? Can I let them see my friends, etc. But what's so important to remember is that we need to help them realize, remember, if they understand how it not just impacts them, but how it impacts the other individuals, you're teaching them to care for others. You're teaching, them social justice you're teaching them that they need to do this that they can make the sacrifice to help others around them and how essential it is because unless we all do it every single one of us this thing will continue to continue to grow so we need everyone together
1: yeah and some of the modeling even shows that you know yes we'll slow down the curve but when we re-engage in social contact it can come up so there's new thinking this again is a side note we'll put it in the show notes but about how to actually do the eradication versus just slowing it down. So this is why this stuff is so, so scary. So what's so crazy about this is that what's being recommended is social distancing and not touching each other and not hugging each other and not having interpersonal contact, which is crazy because all that's happening at the time that we're in such threat. In which we
0: need that so bad. And we
1: absolutely need it, absolutely. And I'm thinking about... People who live alone or, or, again, are compromised in any way. But remember, yes, we can't touch each other. We do have to have social distancing, no hugging, you know, that sort of thing. We get it. But things that aren't canceled, right? Lots of things are being canceled. But let's think about a couple of things that aren't being canceled. Things like love, right? Right. Connection. Songs, music, art. Mm Mm-hmm. Self-care, you know, really getting out there. There's no excuse not to continue to work out and things like that. And our resources, we're going to give you some at-home free workouts (laughs) so that you can keep moving your body and taking care of yourself. And hope, you know, hope hasn't been canceled. Another way of thinking about it is, you know, dividing things between what you can control and what you can't control. So remember that even though you can't control things like how this virus goes, you can't predict what's going to happen. You know, you can't control the information coming to you or not, but you can control lots of things, right? And so these are the things we want you to focus on. You can control your attitude about this, right? Your psychological orientation to this communal threat. You can control whether or not you follow the recommendations and how you implement them. And let's talk about the news and taking in social media, That is something that you can control. This is not because it's an ongoing thing. It's not something that we have to hear every minute
0: of. Actually, it even depends on what you need. You know, if you know that you're an under responder and not taking in, you probably do need to listen to the news. But for most of us, we're getting overstimulated. We're getting the source of threat fed to us all day long. So one strong recommendation is that you generally limit it to a certain time in the day and to particular resources. And we'll put a few resources there that have been recommended. One is the World Health Organization, or who, where you get the information directly from some major medical sites. Because if you're getting information all day long, there's no way you can keep your whole system in a more secure, regulated state.
1: And you know, a lot of times people say control social media and things like that. But Does that mean getting off of it completely? Well, another idea would be that there's a way to do this where you put in keywords that you basically mute so that you'll still get to be on Twitter, but you won't see the articles based on the keywords that you put in. So that's cool. I didn't even know that existed. And things like you can hide Facebook posts. So it's a way of sort of being able to stay connected and use social media to stay connected.
0: Right. If you notice that you're, as we've been talking about, really being in tune to your body, if there are certain news sources or people on your Facebook that tend to create that anxious response, you may limit it. And that's okay. But right now, the social media could be actually our source of connection. And people are finding creativity. One of the things that this is happening is that our normal routines, having been shut down, it's an opportunity for new routines. And for many of us, where we're pushing all day long, we don't have time to slow down, have a sense of forced idleness. What do we do with a concept of leisure time? And for many, it's not leisure, because it's anxiety producing to be out of work. We understand that.
1: It's actually anxiety producing to not have the, you know, I need to get
0: here to do this. It is. Way of relating in the world. Right. Like, like the sense of purpose. How much of us In our lives, our sense of purpose is centered around our movement, are we gotta do our to do list? We gotta go, we gotta go. And without that, the sense of developing a different type of purpose, right? Actually having time to sit down with your kids and talk and play games or learn music. You know what it
1: reminds me of, Ann? It reminds me of when I had just become a new mother and I would literally shift into you know, it's easy to feel like your baby or your toddler is interrupting something you're wanting to do, but there was a physical kind of an emotional shift that I would that had to kind of at times consciously make to go. What I called it in my mind was baby time. It's like baby time. Things are different. The pace is different. It's not this linear action. There's this real like bottom up just being and seeing the shadow that they're discovering and all of those cool things. But it was really a shift. And so, you know, this is definitely not baby time, but it really is, as you're saying, like this time to have different experiences with your family, with your pets. You can begin to train your pets, something that you haven't
0: done before. The things that I've always thinking I'm going to do, but I've never seem to ever be able to stop and do I've done. And like yesterday for the first time, because now getting outdoors is one of the only safe interactions for us to be doing, getting the bikes out of the garage. And I actually learned how to patch a tire yesterday. <laughs> I have <told laughs> that would never have happened otherwise. Never. I had told myself I'm going to learn to do that and learn to do that. And now needing to fix my own bike to be able to get out there in the world in a different way, I did it. And one of the things we talk about is doing novel we're so used to routines and actually activating our minds and our brains and our bodies in novel ways is actually very important and healthy. One other thought I
1: had about, you know, when you do have to listen to the news and really take new stuff in, even doing those breaths that we talked about earlier before you turn it on, there is something that, you know, we're trained at as therapists and a lot of the medical field and things like that where that you are absolutely connected to the person, but that you have some dispassion, that you have a little bit of, you have one foot in and one foot out. Otherwise, we couldn't do what we do, right? Right. And so if you can begin to practice a little bit where that you have this nice, uh, as one of our previous guests said, a jello wall, (laughs) and that we are protecting our heart so that we can be compassionate, but at the same time, we stay grounded in ourselves. And so that as we're seeing these things, that we can stay compassionate, but we don't take on other people's pain.
0: Yeah, we care for them, we connect, and we feel for them. And to be connected is just a really different experience than taking it in.
1: And earlier we said that we would add one more of these acronyms about kind of what to do. There is one called APPLE (laughs) that I really, really liked, because the only thing with RAIN is it kind of jumps you right to this loving place, And sometimes we're not feeling that, right? So with Apple, A is acknowledge. So same as rain, which is recognize, acknowledge. And rain is allow, is the second one, A. This one is pause. So acknowledge, pause. And the pause is the magic part of it because that's when we begin to get a little distance. And we're able to do the third P, which is pull back. And what that is about is again, you are not your thoughts, feelings aren't facts, and your thoughts aren't facts. So being able to stay in this compassionate, observing place, and then after you pull back, that's when you let go. And by that, it means that you just almost can imagine, using imagination again, a bubble or a ray or something that takes away or further distances the feeling. And the last is that you explore. And part of that has to do with moving back into the present moment. You can look around at physically where you are, get reoriented to what you want to do or what you need to do next, and you can use distraction. But you basically kind of move on.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's really, really helpful and will be a great, great resource. There's
1: another really short one. Can I say that before you go? Sure stop touch go stop is the same thing you stop you feel the feeling you stop for a second i have a visual image what touches of like kneeling down and putting your hand on your child's cheek so it's touch like so i'm having this feeling i honor the feeling i touch it on the cheek and then go it means then you move on you don't stay there you keep going so that one is short enough for me to remember but uh, <laughs> like um, stop touch go
0: And let's not forget, to some of the things that can help with your body stimulation after you've paused and recognizing is slow movements and humming short vibrations. Those things can really calm your body.
1: Yeah, we're talking about bringing on ventral vagal. Right,
0: right. I want to come back before we end to combine a few points, but one of them, we started off talking about that we're just so notoriously unwilling to make sacrifices, unless we can really feel the benefit. And if the benefit is uncertain, and you mentioned global warming. And so when we're going through something like this, I feel like it really is helpful to feel some sense of unity and purpose. And how do you find a purpose in a pandemic? But I can tell you one of the things that hit me is two important things. And one is you mentioned global warming. I really want to hammer that because it's very hard for us to feel the effects of global warming directly. I mean, we can when it gets too hot or too cold, but it's really easy for us to make daily decisions that puts that off thinking and actually political decisions and let it be in the future. But many of us that have adolescents, we hear their sense of nihilistic thinking about what global warming is going to be in our future and to really see the effects of when we've done a shutdown and a stop really making a difference in our community, really making a difference in the temperature of our world that we can actually see we could have an effect through these global means together. I guess there's a little part of me hoping that we'll take this from, from this experience to say we can have an impact and the idea that any future potential pandemics that we will have put into place all sorts of ways of engaging now as a global unit to something that could happen in our future, that what we're going through is going to have meaning, it's going to have a purpose.
1: I really like that. I think that's a great way to end is that there's a bigger thing happening here that we don't, we literally don't understand and that's a good thing like that we don't have to have our minds wrapped around it at all times those of us that have trouble with uncertainty (laughs) that can be a hard concept but i really like tying it into bigger purpose bigger meaning you staying home has a bigger purpose bigger meaning
0: it serves the world and it really then we just can remember we're all interconnected interdependent so when we're spreading security and we're trying to do it that is so important. It makes us feel much more like one unit in the world and that is going to be important for our future. That's
1: right. Calm is contagious.
0: Absolutely. All right. On that note, thanks for joining us and we'll see you around the bin. Therapist Uncensored is Anne Kelly and Sue Marriott. This podcast is edited by Jack Anderson.